All right, all right. Y'all ready for sermon number two? (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Again, I'm Sam Benton. I'm so happy to be here today. I don't know if we have anything up there, but our sermon series we're preaching is about hunger. Hunger for God. Hunger for the things of the kingdom. And my lovely wife, as David said, is going to share with, with me today in preaching. So I'm going to try to make mine short because hers is always better than mine. You ever been to a concert and you have like, a, I, don't, I forgot what you call it, a band that plays before the real band comes out? I'm like the band that plays before the real band comes out, okay? So, uh, but anyway, happy to be here. Excited about the topic, first of all. Because Evie and I want to share with you at least something that uh, we feel like is a practical way to stir your hungry for your hunger for God, Amen. Now I want to go through a few quick points first. One is that you are what you eat. How many of y'all heard me say that? I'm going to always say it. You are what you eat. What goes in is what comes out. You type into a computer information, guess what? That information is going to come up. It's not, it's not going to come up with some different information. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5. I don't have the text up there. But he says, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap what? To the flesh. You sow to the spirit, you'll reap, you reap what? So what you sow to is what you get. What you sow to is what's going to come out of you. If you sow kindness to people, usually people will sow kindness back to you. You'll reap kindness. Not always. There's some weirdos out there. But normally, if you sow kindness, you get it back. So what you sow is what you reap. And so we need to be sowing to our spirit. And I think David might have mentioned this, but the difference between hunger in the natural and hunger in the spirit is that when you're hungry in the natural, like every six hours for some of you, you get what? Hungry, right? Some of us, it's every two hours. You know, you can tell every two, I get hungry again. In the spirit, it's totally the opposite. If you don't feed your spirit, meaning through the word or through prayer or worship or fellowship, if you don't feed your spirit, you know what happens? You become less hungry. Your, your spiritual growth, it just wanes. And then you don't want to go to Bible study. You don't want to get up and pray. You don't want to come to church. If you don't feed your spirit, you don't become hungry. You become less hungry. However, if you do feed your spirit, it's the opposite. See, in the natural, if you don't eat, you want to eat. In the spirit, if you eat, you want to eat more. You want to get big. You want to enjoy the food of the spirit. You want to come to prayer. You want to seek God. You want to read your Bible. You want to get up early and get in his presence before you start your day. You want it. You desire it. You're hungry for it. And so I want to share with you uh, one thing that Evie and I have been doing for a long time uh, that has helped stir up hunger in our own lives. Quick testimony. I've been serving the Lord for over 45 years. I know I don't look that old, but, uh, (laughs) or maybe I do. No. (laughs) But there have been two seasons of my life where I have felt more intimate with the Lord than the rest of those 45 years. 
loved God all the time, loved him, served him. But there were two moments in my life where I practiced something. And because I practiced that something, my intimacy with God was on a whole new level. That's when I was in college in a few years when I pastored a church here in Matthews. And that's something that we did. Evie and I did it together. And in college, I did it alone, is that we practice quite regularly just quiet communion with the Lord. Now, what is quiet communion with the Lord? I'm not talking about your quiet time. How many of you have a quiet time? You know what that means. That means you get up, you read your Bible, you pray, you do it before you go to bed. You, you just spend 15 minutes to an hour, you know, just seeking God that way. That is not what I'm talking about. When I say quiet communion, I'm talking about where you stop everything and you get in a place where you're totally undisturbed and just in quietness before the Lord, you just say, I like to tell everybody to say this, here I am, Lord. I don't have an agenda. I don't have a prayer list. I don't have any. I'm just here to commune with you. I'm just here to give you my love and receive your love. That's all I'm doing. I'm not here to get anything from you, Father. And somehow in that quietness, somehow in that stillness, God shows up. You know the scripture in Psalms, it says, be still and know that I am God. How many of you know it's hard to be still? Do you ever find it hard to be still? I had so we, we do what we call a Saturday seeking service. And of course, I, I'll share another verse where, where David says, in the silence, I seek the Lord alone. Well, I can't do just silence because I am way too ADD for that. <laughs> it just, it's not going to happen. If you can seek God in the silence, God bless you. I think that's wonderful. So we play some soft music, not praise and worship. Very quiet, sometimes just instrumental music, and we sit and we just listen. Well, someone told me last night, she came for the first time. She said, I could never be still. I could never calm down my mind and my heart and my thoughts. I didn't get it. Because it takes practice like anything else. If you play a sport, it takes practice. If you have a career thing that you do, it takes practice. And so it takes practice usually. And so we just sit and we just say, here I am, Lord. And in that moment, we're saying, here I am just to commune with you. That's what I mean by quiet communion. It's not talking to God. It's listening. Oftentimes, we go to God and we're talking. We can't stop talking. And all the thoughts in our heads are going on. And we'll talk more. If you ever come on a Saturday night, I teach about how to try to be still. But in this verse in Psalms, it says, be still and what? And know that I'm God. That word know is the same word used in Genesis where it says that Adam knew Eve. Meaning Adam went into Eve and was very intimate with her. 
So it's in these moments, I tell you, in my own life, I told you, there's two other times, and now it's beginning again, where I have had the most intimate moments with God just by being still, just quieting. And sometimes, I told somebody last week, it took me 30 minutes just to finally quiet my soul. Too busy, right? And when I thought about this, I thought about the story of the two guys on the road of, to Emmaus. I don't know how many of you know that story, but Jesus is resurrected. Excuse me. Couldn't get it out. Resurrected. And uh, these two guys are walking down the road, and he goes walking beside them. And they don't recognize him. And then he goes to their house, and he breaks bread, and then they realize it's him, and poof, he's gone. The resurrected Christ disappeared. But then they looked at each other. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us when we walked with him? That's what you get when you encounter God in the quiet. I'm going to try to speed this up a little bit because my lovely wife has a lot to say. Let's see here. I just want to share this last thing. When I'm trying to explain this, to, if you've never done this, this is pretty hard to understand. And sometimes it's pretty hard to do until you practice it. And so, but when I try to explain to people what this is like, I like to use a song. It's a hymn that was written way back in the early 1900s called, I Come to the Garden Alone. How many of you older people? Y'all know that one? Baptist guys? I know. It says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And I always mess up the next verse. Let's see here. It says, And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. Now listen to this. This is what happens when you can be still. This guy wrote this song in a dark basement all alone. He wasn't in a garden at all. It says he was in his prayer room in a quiet, dark place in his basement. He says, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He walks with me, and when I'm lying in here on the floor and we're listening to music, I just feel like God's walking with me, and he's talking with me. He's telling me I'm his own. And sometimes the joy is so powerful, I just start giggling. I feel bad for disturbing him. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, God. You're pretty awesome, God. And so we've started doing this on Saturday nights here. We'd love for you to join us. I want to invite my lovely wife, Evie, to come up. And share what God has given to her. Good morning. Hope you guys can hang in. Can we hang in just a little bit more this morning and see what God would say maybe? Can we? So, um, so last night during the seeking service, I was sitting here and I had prepared sort of my message for things, things that I wanted to say. But um, as I was sitting there, I got sort of a vision of like a, a dinner bell. Have you ever seen those old movies where there's like a farmhouse bell that calls people to dinner? So I, I saw this vision of a dinner bell and then sort of um, like heavenly bells or church bells that were calling people. And um, I felt the Lord said, you know, come to dinner. There's a feast prepared for you. And there was the bell saying there's a feast prepared for you. And I sort of saw a feast uh, laid out before me. And I thought of this scripture in Isaiah 55 
So if we can just focus on what God is saying and listen to and hear what God is saying. Um, Isaiah 55, it says, Come, all you, are, are thir- all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you without money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk w- without money and without cost. Why spend money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? And it is a great question, isn't it? Why do we spend so much time on so many things and pursuing so many things that don't really satisfy in the end? And, man, we have to kind of get that eternal perspective. Um, And we have to examine our lives. And, you know, there's a lot of good things to do, a lot of fun things, a lot of good things. But we have to examine our lives on, because at the end of our life, we want to spend our life on the things that are really important, right? On eternal things and on relationships. And um, so this says, come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. And so there's not a monetary cost to coming and finding God, right? There's not a monetary cost. But there is a cost. You know, there's nobody, if you look all through the Bible, there's nobody who did something great with God or for God. There's nobody in the Bible or in history since that did something great with God without cost. There's no one, right? There's a cost. And um, so it says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of food. So we're talking about hunger. If we listen to God and we incline our ear, it says, come to me, listen, and your soul will live. We want our souls to live, right? And so this says, listen, come to me. You'll de- your soul will delight in the riches of foods. How many people, you want your soul to be alive and vibrant and living, right? We want abundance of life, right? Verse 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. It's one of my favorite verses. Seek him while he can be found. Call him while he's near. And then what um, maybe Jim was talking about, it says, Let the wicked man forsake his own ways, and the unrighteous man had thought his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, that God will have compassion, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Verse 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. And I think most of the time we think our thoughts are like God's thoughts, don't we? We kind of think, well, I think like God, or, you know, I think my thoughts are like God's. <laughs> Or, you know, or I think I, my ways are like God's, but God says, my, your thoughts aren't really like my thoughts. Your ways aren't like my ways. And so the way we kind of change that is by hanging out with God, right? Spending a lot of time with God and seeking and saying, what are your ways and what are your thoughts? But um, we don't want to miss it because we're not seeking the Lord, right? We don't want to go in our own thoughts and think, well, we're doing okay, right? Or I'm doing okay. We don't want to live in our own thoughts, really in our own ways. So that's sort of what the Lord was saying to me last night. Um, I don't want to rush. I'll either sort of go through and then pause or stop, but I don't really want to rush what God might want to do this morning. So, Father, just open our spirits. Open our spirits that you would accomplish what you want today uh, before we leave, that we would um, continue to hear the things that you're saying in Jesus' name. Um, I am so thankful for love life and for culture. You know, God cares so much about our culture and, and people, and we want to be a light to people. But today we're talking about seeking the presence of God um, and maintaining hunger. So one way that you can maintain hunger in Ecclesiastes, it does say draw near to listen. So that's what we were talking about, drawing near to listen to God, learning to practice waiting on God. It's such a great, great skill to wait on the Lord, right? Just to wait, wait in his presence. Um, Isaiah says out, uh, every morning he awakens me, he awakens me, he awakens my ear, unstops my ear. Like somebody who's learning, I'm a disciple, it says. He unstops my ear so that I can hear what the Lord would say. 
so that I can speak something to the weary one, right? So we learn to listen, to draw near, to listen. Um, another thing that, so we're talking about things that maintain hunger. One of the things that's really helped me to maintain hunger is just corporate worship, just being consistent coming to church. It sounds like something simple, but we need that a little bit better in our culture, to be quite honest, right? Just being consistent, coming to church. But corporate worship um, it really helps me. It builds me up, helps me to maintain hunger. Another thing that's helped me to maintain hunger through my life is setting aside every week um, a time for prayer. Um, Sam and I were really fortunate enough to be born again during a revival. And um, then we were part of a campus group for many years. And uh, when we were single, we just spent all our time really at church we were either, or, or on campus outreach. So we just were doing outreach. We were doing teachings. We came to worship. We had home group, but we had small group prayer as well. And so from the very first of my born-again life, I, I was able to join like a small group. And it was like five or six people. We met every single week for like seven years. And it was in that place that I began to learn to wait on God you know, in a small group of prayer where we just came to seek God. What is God saying? We didn't come to just pray and have a petition, but we stopped to kind of listen. What is God saying? And there was that journey of learning to wait on God and to hear God. And so we did that for seven years. Then when I was in Chapel Hill, I didn't have a group like that. And I sort of got a couple of ladies together and we met every, every Thursday night for, for nine years. We met and prayed and sought the Lord. And that's just something that fuels my hunger. And you need to find the things that fuel your hunger, right? You need to find those things. And the things that we do corporately together sort of fuel what we do at home, right? Seeking God on our own. Like, so what I do corporately here, it, it helps to fuel what I do at home. And seeking the Lord on my own in my home. Um, and then what I do at home fuels what we do here, right? So it's sort of cyclical. It's not all just like corporate. But we have to find those things that give us a real hunger for God. Um, and so those th were things that, were a that helped me. And when we had encounter, we had the prayer groups, and we had worship service, and then we added that Saturday night seeking service where we waited in quiet. And then last year, I, again, I didn't really have prayer partners, so I found a few ladies, and we prayed every, every Thursday um, for the last year and a half. But, so it takes prioritizing. You know, to seek God and to serve God and to love God and to know God, it takes prioritizing our time. Um, and so we're going to look at just a couple, of, um, a couple of people in the Bible, and hopefully this will inspire us as we see these pictures of people in the Bible who hungered and thirst for God, who prioritized God. So my first scripture is Exodus uh, 33. This is a passage about Moses. It was after um, the Israelites had already been led out of Egypt, and all of the Israelites are camped out in the wilderness. And so I'm going to just read from this passage in Exodus 33. I think this just gives us a good picture of, of prioritizing the Lord and the fruit of, of seeking God. It says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it a tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tent, watching Moses until he entered. As Moses went in the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud, cloud, pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped 
each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to his friend. And Moses would return to camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And so here we have a called man, Moses, who's already accomplished something great. But he takes the time to be purposeful, to go out from the camp, to go out from his sort of, you know, all the busyness of his life, people that would come by or the distractions. And he would go out and he would pin a t- 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 pitch, he would pitch a tent. Um, so he pitched a tent, and they called it the tent of meeting. Um, so Moses was purposeful in, in that. And this gives us just a good um, pattern, I think, for us to pitch a tent, to find a place um, where we can meet with God. And sometimes it's in our homes. I've, I've had different places in my home. You know, I, have a, I had a closet for many years that I would just go and pray in there. Frankly, sometimes I meet the Lord out by my pool nowadays. It's awesome. Um, but it's a place that God gave me to be face-to-face with him. Um, but I, I feel like in here today that God wants to say that some of us need to pitch a tent. We need to pitch a tent where we can meet with God. And I also feel like God wants to say that, you know, some of us have maybe tried religion. You've tried church. But we need to try God. We need to have that heart that wants to take the time to be purposeful, to seek God face to face. And look at this beautiful reward that God gave to Moses. Uh, He spoke to him face to face as a person speaks to his friend. We want that, right? That's what we want. So in verse 12, it goes on to say that um, Moses, when he prayed, there's a prayer that's recorded. It says, Moses said to God, I know you know my name. And you've said, you know my name, and you've said that I've found favor with you. So he knew who he was in God, right? He knew that God knew him. He knew that he had favor. But here's his prayer. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I can know you. That was the desire of his heart. If you're pleased with us, God, teach us your ways so we can know you. And then it goes on to say, continue, that we may continue to find favor with you. So many times I hear a lot of sermons about favor, you know. Ask God for favor. You've heard a sermon like ask God for favor. It's true, you know, the favor of God is so powerful and wonderful. But before the heart of Moses was not to ask for the favor, but to ask that I would know God, Right? Um, and then he goes on to say, remember that this nation is your people. So he does intercede. You know, he stands in the gap for others. But the Lord's reply to him was, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So that's the, that's, that attracts God's attention, right? When we cry out that we just want to know you like Sam's talking about. Uh, back in verse 11 there, it says, the Lord speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to his friend. And I just love this little sentence, one little sentence in the Bible. Moses would return to his camp, but his young aide, Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So Joshua was there to serve Moses and help take care of him, and Moses would leave, but there Joshua would be, just stand there, right? You know, God took note. God took note. We know because he put it in the Bible. (laughs) He took note. It's sort of a prelude to what Joshua does later, right? He was hungry and thirsty. He just wanted to hang out with Jesus. Just hang around Jesus, right? 
So it does take prioritizing. It also takes focus. King David, he said, King David, all his business and all his responsibilities, the king of a nation, all his busyness, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Sorry. To behold the beauty of the Lord in Quirin's temple. It wasn't enough for David to just dwell in the house, right? He wanted to behold God. He wanted to behold the beauty of the Lord. It's sort of a mystical thing, right? How do we describe what it's like to behold the beauty of the Lord? It's kind of a mystical thing, right? What is that like to behold the beauty of the Lord? It's hard to describe. But how many of you have done it? How many of you have done it? How many of you have beheld the beauty of God? That's why I said one day in your house is more valuable than anywhere else. Right? A day in God's house. So it takes prioritizing, it takes focus. Not just to dwell in the house, not just be a Christian, right? But behold God, like talk to God and see God and hear God and have a vision from God, right? It's what makes life worthwhile. It's what makes being a Christian worthwhile. It's what makes giving your life for it, all the effort and the sacrifice, it's Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. And Jesus wants us to be known by him too as well, right? The Bible says, you did all kind of stuff, but I didn't know who you are. You know, we have to have that intimacy with Christ. We have to have the communion with Christ. We have to. And to please the Lord, right? To live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Um, One more, if you're okay with it. You okay? Um. I love this one. I thought about Anna in the Bible, Anna the prophetess at the time of, you know, ending of the Old Testament. Sorry, the ending of the Old Testament and before Christ came or, and then when Christ came, we had Anna. And there are just three short verses in Luke. It says, there was a prophet, a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then she was a widow until she was 84. So she was a widow, this older woman, not valued in society, right? You know, in Israel, in Israel at that time, like a widow was really, had no status in society. They had no money. They weren't valued. They were basically sort of invisible people, the poorest of the poor. She's sort of just a nobody, right? She was very old. Uh, she was the widow. It says she never left the temple, but she worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And so I was just thinking about her life, and I just thought, gosh, what, what kept her coming back year after year, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade? What kept her coming back? What kept her in the temple? Like, it was that hunger, right? Just hunger. What was she even praying for? She didn't have family. You know what I mean? What was she praying for? Um, And so what kept her back? What kept her coming back? It's just that hunger. And um, I thought about even the religious people there. They probably were like, wow, she just, I wish she'd kind of, you know, she's in our way. Like, right? Like, what's she here for? Like, what's she doing? And that old religious spirit that says, like, why do they keep praying? The religious spirit, right? Why are you praying? What are you praying? That's what, you know? They probably were just tired of her. But um, 
I thought about that, like what kept her coming back, but it was that hunger, and she persevered. And then verse 38 says, uh, at a particular moment, Mary and Joseph and Jesus came up to her, and she gave thanks to God and spoke about this child that all we're looking for, um, for the redemption of Jerusalem. So I thought about that too, like, wow, all those kids, all those years, all those sons that she saw dedicated to God, all those years, year after year, month after month, even that week, all those people, but she recognized that it was Jesus. What a, what a, what a glorious thing. What an honor that God would just open heaven and let her see and recognize that, that was Jesus. And as I thought about it just a little bit more, I think that really shows, just a, sort of a side, but it kind of, that shows something about God's ways, right? In other words, God doesn't value the things that we value. You know, he might, he appreciates us, and I think he, you know, he values that we work hard, and he values those kind of things, but he doesn't value the things that we value, like status, and where we went to school, and, you know, what kind of, car, where we live. God, this shows us, you know, his ways, he, he, he doesn't value those things, but some things do touch him, and Anna touched him touched his heart, and she just, she's written about in history forever and ever just because she persevered and loved the Lord. So um, the Bible says that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So we need the things that I was talking about, prioritizing, focus, perseverance. Uh, Paul said it best, and I just love this scripture. I know Philippians, this may be my favorite passage. One of, my, one of my favorites is just, whatever things are gained to me, I consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to know Christ. Yes, in the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. You know, it says, forgetting what lies behind. I reach forward to what lies ahead, the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Right, we want to know the Lord. Um, so, all these things that we're doing Prayer and Saturday night, they're just an invitation, a space that we're making, right? An invitation, um, a place for you to come and just seek the Lord. I'm so thankful for this church and uh, for what God is doing. And so that's what I had to share. Pray. Okay. Okay. God, we just are so thankful for your mercy. Um, You're such a loving father. I'm so thankful that when we were in darkness and in sin, you, you reached out to us and you saved us because of your great compassion. We're so thankful that you sent Jesus to die for us, that we could be born again, um, that we could be clean and, and just before you. And God, that you opened up a way where we could come face to face. Lord, not just one, not just a few, but God, you opened a way through the blood of Jesus that we could draw near to you. I do thank you for that scripture that you said, if we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. And um, So help us, God. I just ask you to um, help us to have our hearts tenderized, to hear, hear you teach us. Would you teach us, Jesus? Would you teach us to know your ways? Um, would you teach us and tutor us to prioritize you in our life? Um, I was thinking about, God, that there... The world is dying. It's hurting. And we have a responsibility to, to just be the light. But we're going to be light if we're not prioritizing Christ, loving first God, then loving others. So, God, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you to give us that hunger, that we want to know you, even 
me, like serving a long time, more and more, God. I just want more. So stir it more in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.